And on this website is a brief history of the initial investigations because mm-hmm. they weren't just supposed to sit around and talk about it. They were actually they were supposed to go and you know find yeah. the ghosts. But what's this? Okay. <laughs> Even something called the Ghost Club can't make Charles Dickens interesting. Come on. Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. Christmas is all about giving. Giving each other mouth herpes. (laughs) That's basically what happens every time we record an episode. True. Mouth herpes. True. We hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? We have Charles Dickens and Judah Maccabeus. Judah? Or Judas. Either one. <laughs> it changed. In the Wikipedia article, it changed between the two of them. So I looked it up in a few other places, and he's na- he's he's na- blah, he's known as both Judah and Judas. Wow. Can you <sighs> imagine being named Judah and Judas? Yeah, yeah. That seems to be uh, like a... a uh... A conflict of interest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got the Lion of Judah and the Betrayer of Christ. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's all kinda... in one. Yeah. And t- on top of it, Maccabeus just sounds like a type of candy, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like a, a macadamia nut somehow turned into to a candy. For sure. Oh my god. Well, if there's one thing I know about this episode is that we were both bored as fuck working on these guys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean... Which, (laughs) it's true. Yeah. It's true. I fell apart halfway through writing. Halfway through writing about Charles Dickens, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll just delete everything and pick somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It was like, I'll just delete it. It doesn't matter. Like, nobody cares. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Judah's kind of the same way. And I almost did it. Yeah, I, I... well, that's kind of sad. So we've got the most boring episode ever coming, and it might be... Well, it, will it be the last one you record before you get married? Probably. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Although we might do Unless something do like special for... Well, while you're in town, we might be able to do something special. I don't know. Well, we still we still owe the patrons something. Um, True. A back row. And speaking of... What? I have some amazing news, James. Okay. We have achieved our first... Our very, very first enemy Child? of Lord History. Oh. No. oh, enemy of Lord History. Oh, dear God. Which is the highest patron status on Patreon. Who the fuck would do that? Two of our biggest fans. Really? Josh from Indiana and his wife Sophia. Aren't who is they also like from Indiana? <laughs> aren't they both a rat, like full of radiation and? ghoulish because we we declared that illinois or illinois well indiana is the scene of an apocalypse right 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 it is and nobody is. lives there except for these two individuals who decided to give right. us money that's right but here's the thing about josh and sophia okay, okay. and this is great news okay josh and ah! sophia oh <laughs> what the fuck oh. <laughs> go what? on <laughs> what the fuck just happened oh my god I just drank coffee that was way too hot. <laughs> oh, my tongue. <laughs> oh, you know that sandpaper filling you get on your tongue when you, you burn it? Oh, 
This is going to... Oh, God. Oh, dear. I haven't had coffee that hot in a long time. How is it that hot? That's what she said. Anyway, I was saying about Josh and Sophia. Uh Uh-huh. Is that the first time we've ever done... No, it can't be. Can't be. Are you okay? I'm in severe pain. (laughs) It hurts to talk. Good thing we're podcasters. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. right. But I was saying about Josh and Sophia. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they live in an apocalyptic wasteland. That is just for sure. Because Indiana is right now, you know, just suffering from all kinds of rage. The thing is, Mm -hmm. Josh and Sophia are, since they are a god and a goddess among human beings, instead of being hurt by the radiation, they instead ascended to an even higher level of godhood. Oh, I see. Yes, so we've received a donation from what is essentially the, um, the, um, well... The holy... The biblical Nephilim. Oh my, (laughs) Jesus, wow. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, that... And we are forever grateful. (laughs) That limbs my Nephil. Yeah, and here's... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The other thing is, the other thing is... Mm -hmm. Um... Because, because uh, they have they have done this, they have achieved everything we can give them. Oh Patreon, man, which right now is not that much. We're still working it out. Yeah, <laughs> probably yeah. after the after the beginning of the year and James is married and whatnot, we'll really start taking the shit seriously and start sending out actual things. Because here's have, the thing: we already yes. we're like the U.S. government. We are very in debt to our patrons. And yes. we owe several patrons several things. We have not forgotten about you. We're just, uh, we're borrowing from China. And eventually yeah. the bill will come. <laughs> <laughs> the bill's going to come to us pretty bad. Right, yeah. <laughs> we always talk about these tyrants in history, the bill's coming. Like, we've got a massive fucking bill going up for this podcast, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. All the shit we say, it's going to come back to haunt us. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, when I oh, run yeah. for president, it's not oh, going to help. Yeah. yeah. You're fucked. No, for sure. But <laughs> since you'll be my campaign manager, uh, well, that'll be doubly fucked, actually. Yeah. Shit. Mm. Yeah. Well, we haven't forgotten about you, patrons, and we will get to all your rewards, because you have rewarded us. Yes. Amen. Yes, you have uh, rewarded us with your love. And, uh... And your money. <laughs> and we love you for it because, like, yeah, <laughs> we, we're we just average working Joe. <laughs> yeah, worse than that. Yeah, um, we're not even average. No. All right, so shall we head down to the History Lab and get started on this boring episode? Yeah, this is going to be boring. So uh, put well, on your boring pants, uh, which yeah. are khakis. <laughs> <laughs> khakis with pleats. Yes. Again, one Judas Judah Maccabeus, who fought some Greeks, fought for Jewish independence, and is the reason for Hanukkah today. The other, Charles Dickens. Chuck Dickens. I can't make him interesting. (laughs) There's nothing I can say to make him interesting. He'll put the Dickens in you. Just make something up. Just make... Okay, okay. First man to Venus. (laughs) And Charles Dickens, the first man to ever visit Pluto. 
the dog. I'm out, man. I'm <laughs> so James. One minute. Damn it. Okay. Um. So James, mm-hmm. tell me. Mm. If you had to design a type of shoe, mm-hmm. what function would it serve, mm-hmm. and who would wear it? Okay. Uh, Even easy. this is a boring question. <laughs> no, no, this is easy. So first of all, I would make the shoe as massive as possible, and then uh, okay. instead of treads on the bottom, I would have Tommy guns, just tons and tons of Tommy guns. And then I would uh, give these shoes to the upper class so that they can walk all over the proletariat while shooting at them with Tommy guns. Oh! Yeah, and oh. thus we'll get a few things done. First of all... Uh, people will have shoes (laughs) second of all we'll get rid of the lower classes and third of all we'll be putting bullets back into the ground which helps the environment because it's biodegradable that's good all right i I get it i get it yeah so so tell me about your your shoes uh they would be they would be sks rifles Mm. okay Mm -hmm. they wouldn't work Mm. Very well. But they would work sometimes. Okay. And we would give them to the lower class oh. so they could fight the upper class with their Tommy guns. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this is really just a... And then everybody has shoes. And guns. And guns. <laughs> it's like Alabama, except they have shoes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, computer, please bring up Charles Dickens and Judah Judas Maccabeus. Maccabea. <laughs> so speaking of rhyming, yes. What is Charles Dickens best known for? Charles Dickens is best known for inventing Christmas oh. and being the most boring person I've ever put on this show. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yep. Huh. Get ready. I'm ready. What did Charles Lo- Dickens? <laughs> Charles Lickens. <laughs> Charles Lickens the Dickens look like. Just scroll down again. Oh, there he is. <laughs> yep. And I just wrote one word. You know, you gotta. <laughs> We're an auditory platform. <laughs> I, they don't need any more than one word, and here it is. Okay. Goat. <laughs> Fair He's enough. got the okay. same sleepy, soulless eyes. Yep. The weird floppy ears in the form of his hair, which is growing off the sides of his head, like mm. freaking me. The gardens of Babylon. <laughs> yes, a little bit like you, actually. Uh, he's got a beard that obviously looks like a goat, but it doesn't help that he also actually looks like a goat. He does. It. Yeah. It's not just the beard. Those it's, weathered it's, eyes. Ugh. Yeah, and I think he's wearing a smoking jacket in this picture, mm. so. Yeah. So, uh, what is Judas Maccabeus best known for, James? Judas, or Judah Maccabeus, is best known for his part in the Maccabean Revolt, which eventually led to Jewish independence and the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. Is this recorded in a Bible book that isn't in the Bible book? If you're a Protestant, yes. If you're a Catholic... (laughs) Wait, no, I have it wrong. Shit. No. Wait, did you say is or isn't? I don't remember. The Catholics have the Book of Maccabees, and the Protestants don't. Yes, because the Apocrypha, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, the Jews have it in their history as well, so it's oh, okay. it's not a Christian thing per se. Yeah. Could it be that Martin Luther got rid of that book because of that? 
That's an interesting theory. I don't know. Because he was very anti-Semitic. That's true. Yes. Yes. Hmm. I don't know. I I don't know. Are we going to get in trouble for talking about that? I don't even know. I don't think so. I mean, we're not... (laughs) We're not saying he was right. <laughs> We're just saying that's what he was. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say we were going to get tr- in trouble in that way. I was thinking we might get in trouble with Protestants who believe that Martin Luther was... Oh! Okay, well that, yes, in that case, yes, very much so in trouble. But being We're in trouble dead. with Protestants is the story of my life, so it's We're, okay. We're used to it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I fucking love Protestants. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> all, all the people I know are Protestants, but yeah, yeah. That's because I'm in prison <laughs> here in Sweden in 1634, and Tim LaHaye is the jailer. <laughs> yes, just yeah. marching back and forth up and down the halls, just <laughs> reading his books to me. <laughs> Chains dragging behind him. Yep. Well, hello there, James D. <laughs> Let me tell you about my school. (laughs) (laughs) And you look outside, and to your horror, you're just at, uh, what was it, Bob Jones University. No! no. (laughs) Outside, there's just all these shadowy figures mining and sweating and crying out in despair. There's just fire in the hills. Yep. And it's perpetual night. And you watch in horror <laughs> as a much. pastor stands over the graves of ten people who liked... What? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it's Bob Jones University. Yeah. We can make these jokes. <laughs> if anyone from Bob Jones ever listens to our podcast, they're going to be nodding. They're, like, they're right. <laughs> well, the, but the thing is, if the Bob Jones University gets mad at us... <laughs> They shouldn't be listening to our podcast in the first place. That's breaking their own rules. So That's true. Yeah, we're, we're, we're safe. I think we are. And if we create controversy with Bob Jones University, fine by me! <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Free Fair publicity! Enough. <laughs> yes. So, okay, sorry, we got way off track. What does Judas Maccabeus actually look like, though? Well, he lived approximately one billion years ago, so we don't have right. any pictures. But in the drawings we ha- uh, have of him, he looks like a pretty insane warrior dude whose weapon of choice is a giant war hammer. Which is well probably a myth, but that doesn't sound boring though. Well, yeah, I'll give you that. It's not a boring story. I just wrote it in a really boring way because I so, finished about forty minutes before we started recording. See, James, this is why we don't write scripts. Right, exactly. Because they they end up fucking us up. Mm, mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. I'm just gonna challenge you okay. to make it as interesting as possible. We're going we go to. Along. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay. gonna. Yeah. There we go. Let's be as emotional and flamboyant as we can. Right? Uh, but I, I I, don't have feelings, James. Uh, that's true. Shit. She took them all away from me. <laughs> Look, your pet chameleon was a nice pet, but you can't blame all of your lost emotions on, on her, all right? How can you trust someone who's always changing color to blend in with the environment? <laughs> How can you trust someone who can look this way and that way at the same time? There's she was no looking at you, but she was man. looking at another man at the same time. <laughs> okay, so Damn uh, because we're short queens. on time. <laughs> All right, fucking lizards. All right, uh, here we go. Hillary Let's Clinton. Go. What? Come on. Okay, man. That's like 
the third time we've talked politics in the last three episodes. I know. We got to stop. Okay, so let's talk about Donald Trump's, I mean, Charles Dickens' early life. Okay, yep. All right, so Charles John Huffam Dickens. Bored. I'm bored. I know. (laughs) Can you get a more boring name than Huffam? Huffam. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So Charles John Huffam Dickens Mm. was born in the February of 1812 in Portsmouth, England. I have been to So we're already fucked. You have? Mm -hmm. What's it like? Uh, well, it's on the southern coast, and it's one of their their naval bases. It has been for a long time. It's still there. There's yeah. this old Roman fort that's actually pretty cool. Uh, have I have I told the story of the the old Dunkirk guy who wanted to show me his boat? And that's not. I think a you did a long. Okay. I think you did a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, that was ago, in Portsmouth. But... Yeah, this old yeah. creepy guy came up to me and he said, "Do you want to see my rowboat?" I was like, and me being the stupid American I was, went, sure! <laughs> Thankfully, it was just his rowboat that he uh, saved some chaps at Dunkirk a couple of years earlier. Like three years a earlier or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, in, in World War II, when World War II was breaking out in 2008, yeah. Yep, in 2008. <laughs> yep. He was there. He was there. <laughs> I was uh-huh. there. <laughs> All right, we're one sentence in. We have to keep moving. All right, but... Uh, because otherwise we'll never get through it, and I will hate myself. Mm, mm-hmm. So Charles Dickens was the second of what would eventually be eight children. Wow. So big family, mm-hmm. but typical. Uh, the son of a Navy clerk named John and a mom named Elizabeth Dickens. Quaint. So yeah, he was working at that, that Navy base in Portsmouth. Perfect. Uh, his dad was. Yeah. So when Charles Dickens was three, his family moved. And when he was four, they moved again. And then again, until finally they settled down just in time for Charles to start living the idyllic life of a young boy in 1800s England. So, sweeping chimneys. Uh, not far off the mark there. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, but at this time he was pretty lucky, it oh. seems. Um, he was well-educated, um, and it's not going to surprise you when I tell you that Charles Dickens from a long, a long age, from a long age. Oh, long age, yes, like a lungfish. Yeah, the age when you, the age he when you grow your He evolved from a lungfish to an English exactly. boy, just like all English people yeah. do. None of us seem to remember it, but we evolved lungs, all right? Right. Uh, when we were when we were born, we came out just lizards, or not li- fish. Why am I thinking about lizards again? I can't stop thinking about it, James. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so <clears throat> he loved to read. That's the point, okay. all right? And mm-hmm. he read all the classics you might expect a kid from this era to read. And, like, I've read about authors and all that, and they're like, yes, I, when I was a lad, I read Robinson Crusoe and the Arabian Nights. And they all read the same ones, and they're like, aha, when I was a child, and you're like, yeah, okay, every other guy from your era read those books, too. So you're not special. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, so he read those, but he also read any book he could get his hands on, because mm-hmm. he was just, like, a voracious reader. Sure. Uh, and this seemed like a good time for Dickens until he was about ten. Mm. Uh, and here's the problem, you see. His dad was a clerk and didn't make much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, he was racking up huge bills with his creditors because he has a family. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah. lives in England. He's got eight kids. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, eventually, he, he and uh, you know, as happens with every working class person in 1800s England, mm-hmm. and has forever, he goes to debtor's prison. Mm, nice place. Now, you remember we talked about that when we talked about that thief guy? Mm-hmm. What was his name? I forget his name. Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> yeah, Bilbo Baggins, the burglar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we talked about Debtor's Prison on an episode a while back. He was paired with Sir Edmund Hillary, I remember that. Mm. Debtor's uh, Prison was my stripper name. Okay, you know what? We're just... <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> 
Go on. So his, his dad goes to Debtor's Prison when Charles Dickens was about 12. Uh-huh. Now, if you don't know, Debtor's Prison is basically Disney World for poor people. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pretty much. Which to say, it's not just you who goes there, okay? Oh. It's your whole family. Oh. <laughs> uh, at least your wife and the kids who can't take care of themselves. Mm. Uh, it, which means that Charles, at 12, is on the streets. Oh, jeez. So he avoided going to debtor's prison by becoming an actual, like, adult at 12 years old. Oh. Like, he's renting his own place and has a job. Oh, my God. At 12. And his job? Mm. Six shillings a week to glue labels onto pots of boot blacking. Wow. Yeah. And here's a quote from Dickens, mm-hmm. actually. And it's one of the only times I quote him. But here we go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I wonder what voice I should use. Probably that same old British guy. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. All right. The blacking warehouse was the last house on the left-hand side of the way at Old Hungerford Stairs. It was a crazy tumble-down old house, abutting a course on the river, uh, and literally overrun with rats. It's wainscoted rooms, it's rotten floors and staircase, and the old grey rats swarming down in the cellars, and the sound of their squeaking and scuffling coming up the stairs at all times. And the dirt and decay of the place rise up visibly before me as if I were there again. The counting house was on the first floor, looking over the coal barges in the river. There was a recess in it in which I sit to work. I was to sit to work, anyway. My work was to cover the pots of paste, paste blacking. Uh, first with a piece of oil paper, then with a piece of blue paper, to tie them round with a string, and then to clip the paper close to neat all round until look as smart as a pot of white, blah, 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 blah. He met a guy named Bob Fagan who he put in Oliver Twist. Everything else doesn't fucking matter. It was pretty miserable. Oh, yeah, sounds like it. Um, yeah. So he met this guy who showed him how to do it properly, and his name is Bob Fagan, so he put him in Oliver Twist. Oh, good for him. So, yeah, so this is pretty terrible. And, uh... Then Dickens, um, the Dickens family gets a bit of reprieve in the form of a tragedy. Oh, oh. Uh, Grandma dies uh, and leaves 450 pounds to the family, allowing them to pay back their debts and get out of debtor's prison. Nice. So that means the family's reunited and things go back to normal, right? I'm guessing no. Nope, wrong. (laughs) Dickens' mother wanted to keep his job at the boot blacking factory. She wanted him to keep his job. Gotcha. At 12. Yeah. Dickens never forgot this. I don't blame him. That's because rough. He, for, he he hated... The job was horrible, and he got paid nothing, and his mom was like, you better keep working. And mm. he was like, oh, dear, but I'm just a boy, and I'd like to stay home and read. And she's like, you better go. And he's like, damn it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it, uh, on on, uh, on Wikipedia, as I was searching for legitimate sources, mm-hmm. uh, because I never look at Wikipedia when I'm researching this shit. No. Um, yeah, we're a legit history podcast. Exactly. Uh... There was some comment in there about how this, like, contributed to his lifelong mistrust of older women. <laughs> and his, uh, oh, his, conviction, his, his conviction that men should, you know, always be the head of the household. Oh. And women should basically stay in the kitchen. I'm not even fucking with you. Good for him. It's kind of what he got. God damn it, James. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he did go back to work. Um, but he was also eventually put in school. Mm. A boarding school. Oh, dear. Uh, which, if you know anything about boarding schools from this era, I would recommend reading Surprised by Joy by C.S. Lewis. He has a really interesting take on uh, boarding school because he was in a pretty bad one. Mm. Um, you could read that because it's non-fictional, or you could read Dickens is like, uh, what's his name? Jesus. What's his name? He's the magician. Harry Potter. Uh, Merlin. Damn. Uh, no, Gandalf. damn it. Oh, uh, shit. David Copperfield. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, so he wrote this book, David Copperfield, which is based on his experiences in boarding school and the workhouse. Mm. So, yeah. Anyway, so <clears throat> it was a bad school. Typical yeah. shit you'd see in an English boarding school at this time. Mm-hmm. So once he was out, he worked as a clerk at a law office for a year or so and spent his spare time at the theater watching as many plays as he could. Hmm. Uh, he also found love with a woman named Maria when he was 18, mm-hmm. but her parents didn't like Dickens, so they literally ended their relationship by sending his boo to Paris. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, someone's <laughs> got to fight the Germans. I get it. Right. <laughs> So at 20, Dickens was moving up in the world. Uh, He did all kinds of things, everything from acting to political journalism and debate coverage. Nice. He also started writing short stories and things like that, generally getting along as a writer. Hmm. So he's kind of becoming a made man a little bit Mm -hmm. um, as he's writing. Yeah. So in 1835 or so, he started to rub shoulders with some pretty famous writers who all thought he had a lot of potential, blah, blah, blah. He Hmm. started working on this series of sketches, which is like kind of like a podcast. How so? It's or a Netflix show mm-hmm. in book form. You would release like a chapter a week. Oh, okay. Um, or like little scenes. Hmm. And sometimes they would interconnect and sometimes they wouldn't. Um, there's scenes hung together uh, that saw moderate success at first. And his became immensely popular, though. And these were called the Pickwick Papers. Nice. Uh, and I tried to read them, but I got bored. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. in 1836, when Dickens was 24, he became the editor of a novel publishing company called Bentley's Miscellany. Nice. I don't know what happened to my accent right there. Mm, I don't know. Uh, by the way, are you bored yet? Very bored. Yeah. I'm bored. Mm-hmm. I'm bored as fuck. I have other shit Me to do too. right now that does not involve researching Charles Dickens. Okay. So uh, here's the thing. And I wrote this down. Yeah. We're going to crank up the speed a little bit. Here we go. All right. All right. I'm buckled in. All right. So Dickens got married. Okay, great. Cats in the oven. Mm -hmm. Let's let's go. Dickens got married in 1836 to Catherine Thompson Hogarth, the daughter of an influential newspaper editor. Hmm. They had a bit of an idyllic life together. Now that Dickens was making enough money to support a family, he started working on his famous books, Oliver Twist, and God damn it, I am so bored. His books became wildly popular almost immediately, and you know what? I'm done. That's it. That's his early life God. Perfect. All right. All right. Shall we move into Judas Maccabeus' early life? Yeah, Judas Maccabeus was a guy who lived. There we go. Done. All right, let's go to Charles Dickens' adult life. (laughs) No... We have to do it for the listeners. We have to bore them to death. <laughs> okay. No, this guy This guy is not boring. I'm just a very boring storyteller. Okay. And I wrote it this morning with Hangover. Uh... <laughs> you were drunk. Oh, no. Yeah, well. All right. Last night, James was sending me the craziest texts I've ever gotten. I'll, I should just put them on Twitter. <laughs> just put them on Twitter. The people gotta know. All right, so... Yes. Judas Maccabeus. Judas Maccabeus. To start with little Judas's life, we have to start with the other chap you may have heard of. This guy goes by the name of Alexander the freaking Great. Oh, boy. Not the I'm good. I'm so excited. The Great. To... Alexander the Exciting. The Exhilarating. You can't make it exciting just by saying those words. <laughs> ah, that's true. Well, uh, how should I make this exciting? Uh... I could sing it. Hey, I could... hey, let me ruin let me ruin the Dave Rubin report for you. Okay. You can hear everyone swallow their drinks. How does that ruin it? That makes it so much better. Because, <laughs> let me explain. Now we know they're not robots. They're actually humans. You can, you can hear the... I can't talk because I'm a robot, but at least Dave Ro- Rubin isn't because you can hear him drinking. <laughs> What is going on over there? It sounds like you're fondling your microphone. Anyway, Alexander, whom we will cover someday, he creates the biggest empire the world had ever seen up until this point. Right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. This is basically history class right now. Yeah. 
I'm gonna get you a stick to point at the blackboard. Well, kids, pull out your Josephus, cause it's time to learn about history. <laughs> oh god, okay, Have okay. I told Valeri you about my grandchild? <laughs> Dude, okay, so what? I found this atheist meme that I thought was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about Josephus. Oh dear. And it says, Christians like to point out that Josephus mentioned Jesus in his history of the Jews. True, but he also wrote that a sacrificial cow gave birth to a lamb, which would suggest that his history might be a tad unreliable. <laughs> and I just put, just put, Livy said that Romulus and Remus were raised by wolves and started ancient Rome, therefore ancient Rome never existed. <laughs> it's the same logic. <laughs> yeah. So. Take <laughs> checkmate, <laughs> atheists. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Anyway, anyway, okay. All right, oh, we are way off track. All and right. I am running out of time. We gotta go. All right. So Alexander the Great, he conquers a bunch of places, kills a bunch of people, and one of the places he conquers is this small little kingdom of Judea, roughly where Israel is today. Here okay. in Judea live the Jewish people, who are fiercely independent and proud of their religious heritage. Righto! Now, somewhat famously, actually, Alexander the Great and the Jews got along really well. Uh, mm. Actually, somebody in history who treats the Jews okay. Um, wow! Yeah. Hey. It's kind of odd. Then Alex one for dies. the Republic. <laughs> <laughs> then Alex dies and his empire just goes to shit. His generals all grab chunks of the empire and then immediately start beating the shit out of each other because they all want a bigger slice of that Alexander pie. Right. The true meaning of Thanksgiving. Anyway, these <laughs> empires or kingdoms that resulted from Alexander's fragmented empire are, are often known as the successor kingdoms because they succeeded him. Boring, boring, boring. Now, hold on. Hold yeah. up. Alexander currently sounds a little bit like Otto von Bismarck. All right. Go on. Like, as soon as he was gone, people were like, okay, it's it's a free-for-all. Like, he might have been the only one holding this giant system together. True. Yeah, he, he definitely was. Uh Okay, that, I just want to make that comparison. Yeah, it, it's a good comparison. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so one of these successor kingdom was the Ptolemaic kingdom, which had its base of operation in Egypt. And the I learned about that in Assassin's Creed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, exactly. Yep, it's the same yeah. time period. Uh, so the region of Judea fell under the rule of this kingdom at first, and things were okay for them. But then another successor kingdom, known as the Seleucid Empire, came down from Syria... And captured Judea for its own. Okay, all that to say, remember the Seleucid Empire, okay? Okay. And I've also heard Seleucid. I've heard all sorts of ways, but I'm gonna call it the Seleucid Empire because that's can we how... just call it? Can we just call it the Salad Empire? That's brilliant. Okay, we're gonna toss the salad. To of, we're gonna toss to the Seleucid out. Now toss the, the salad. salad. Yeah. I'm just imagining Veggie Tales characters. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we got the Salad Empire. Um, <laughs> Bob the Tomato. Oh, and you know what's great? Is the person huh. who... Well, not not him, actually, per se. But the Romans are the ones who destroy the Salad Empire. See, we could say that the Caesars <laughs> took over the salad. <laughs> we got Caesar salad. This is its origin. <laughs> and then Paul Newman comes in and invents his own line of dressings, and then you have the Newman Empire. <laughs> it's all history, folks. <laughs> It's all Newman's own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kill me. <laughs> <laughs> all 
Alright, so speaking of killing you, the Salad Empire now owns Judea for its own. Uh, and Who cares? <laughs> well, you gotta remember the Salad Empire. They're very important to this the story. Alright, all right, okay? all right. Yeah. I care a little. Yeah. So the Salad Empire, it, it composes of what today is modern-day Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Arabia, Kuwait, Iraq, and Iran. It's a pretty big empire. And now Judea as well. Uh, thankfully for the Jews, though, the king of the Salad Empire, uh, who we'll call Anchovies III, because uh, we have to <laughs> but keep it... But his Antiochus III. Yeah, great. we gotta keep it salad-based, though. Okay, so Anchovies. Anchovies III, the Great. He allows the Jews to live with their traditional customs and religion, so for a couple of years, things were great. But then some dissent among the Jews begins to arise. And here's a theme we've covered a hundred times on this podcast, and it's back. Okay. Do we accept the new ways, or do we stick with the old ways? Oh my god. Here oh we my go god. Meow! <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, that's right. Yep. <laughs> so what happens here is many of the Jewish people want to adopt the new philosophy and polytheistic faith of the Greeks, but other Jews say that this is abandoning the, the way of their ancestors and of their god and will surely lead to destruction. It's a tale Which, as old as time. I was gonna say, that's like... The whole Old Testament. <laughs> right, right, that too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So this rivalry just continues to heat up until the pro-Greek Jews are kicked out of Judea and the traditional Greeks take control of it. So okay. these pro-Greek Jews are pissed off, so they run off to the Salad Empire and go, Hey, so Judea is now being run by a faction of Jews who are enemies of you and enemies of the Greek ways, and so it would be really great if you could send an army down there to reinstate your rules and put us in command. Good plan. Mm -hmm. And the Salad King, uh, King, gotta help me out here, um, King Antiochus the Fourth. Epiphanes? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of a salad name, though. Cause... Oh, it's a different one. We could, could just call him Anchovies uh, the Elder. Okay. Or the Younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Younger Anchovy. <laughs> or we could just call him Antiochus the Fourth. <laughs> sure, alright. Antiochus the Fourth. Epiphanes agrees and sends down an army to make Judea a submit again. And as Josephus writes... The king, being thereto disposed beforehand, complied with them, and came upon the Jews with a great army, and took their city by force, and slew a great multitude of those that favored Ptolemy, and sent out his soldiers to plunder them without mercy. He also spoiled the temple, and put a stop to the constant practice of offering a daily sacrifice of expiation for three days and six months. Three years. Three, three years, yes, yes, Josephus got it wrong again. All right. Yeah. Basically, okay. so here's the thing. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Jewish faith, uh, l let me explain a second. And now the interesting thing is, Aaron and I know quite a bit about the Jewish faith. Not because we're Jewish, but because we were raised Protestant American. And w Protestant Americans have this weird fetish with Jewish history. Right? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I who else do. knows about this stuff? But we know all about Old know. Testament history. It's kind of weird that the Protestants would get rid of Maccabees, though. Yeah, it is kind of weird. I guess it just mm. wasn't divinely inspired. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the temple, the Jewish temple of Jerusalem, was is super important to the Jewish faith. Well, it's actually not there anymore. It's the Dome of the Rock, which is Islamic, is there. Uh, but Jerusalem is very important to the Jewish faith. Uh, it still is very, very important. 
um, to the Jews, also the Christians, also the Muslims. It's it's a messy city, uh, right? Right. So the salad. I think we all know this. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows this. So the salad Greeks they take over Jerusalem, they kill a ton of people, they loot the city, they loot the holy temple, and then they turn the temple into a temple of Zeus. Oh, not a good move. Uh, uh-huh. Also, circumcision, a sacred Jewish ritual, is banned. Also, now we're going to sacrifice pigs in your temple, even though pigs are unholy and dirty animals, according to the Jewish tradition. Uh, Also, fuck it all. Judaism as a religion is outlawed entirely. Later, bitches. Ah, religious intolerance. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, And as you can imagine, these actions just piss off the traditionalist Jews, and rebellion pretty much immediately breaks out all over the place. And there's this one traditional Jewish priest named, is it, I don't know, I forgot to look up how to, Mattathias. Is it Mattathias? Mattathias. Mattathias? Yes. All right. I'll go with that. (laughs) So Matt is pissed (laughs) that so many of his fellow people are starting to worship the Greek gods, the, the new way or whatever. Uh, and so this one progressive Jew approaches Matt, uh, approaches Matt and says, yo, we should probably make a sacrifice to Jew, to, fuck, cut that. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm all over the place. Oh my God. Okay. Almost there. So this one progressive Jew, he approaches Matt and says, yo, we should probably make a sacrifice to Zeus. So Uh-oh. Matt does the only reasonable thing and murders the guy. Well, I... What do you think about that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, come on. You're, you're, a, you're, you're, you're the underdog. Watching... Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're the underdog. You're watching these people stomp all over your, your history and your religion right. and your people. And, you know, you've been through a horrible slaughter and just recently. Yeah, and it's true. This guy comes up and says... Hey, let's let's kowtow to their demands and sacrifice something to a god you think is, you know, horrible in every way. Yeah. Um and you see him as maybe worse than the Salad Empire because a traitor. he's one of your he's exactly. one of your brothers. Yeah. He's a traitor. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if murder is the equivalent I think today it would be a it would be Twitter comments, but back then murder was basically Twitter comments. True. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A tweet was really just a knife in your back. Yeah. Which is what it is today, yeah. A like was a punch in the face. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and a retweet was cannibalism. Oh, but... God! <laughs> okay, oh, so after, All right. after Matt kills this guy, the Salad Empire gets a hold of this, and they, they send a dude to, to kind of figure out what the hell is going on. And Matt murders this dude as well. Damn it, Matt! Yeah, so now it's just pandemonium as the Greek-friendly Jews and the salad soldiers are everywhere trying to restore order. Meanwhile, Matt and his five sons escape to the desert in order to gather together the rebels and lead the rebellion. Uh, his five sons' names are Eleazar, Lizards, Eleazar. I can't talk today because my tongue is burned. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like a overly fried crispy chicken nugget in your mouth. Yeah, well, it looks like a piece of coal. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, he, right, he so. also had the sons Simon, John, Jonathan, and our boy Judas, or Judah. It changes depending on who's writing the story. <laughs> so we'll call him 
Jude. <laughs> so at least hey Jude. We're gonna get flagged. Don't copyright. kill the Greeks or do oh, it. Uh, it's kind of controversial. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to take sides with this. All right. Okay, so Matt dies, and Judah, Judas, takes command of his brothers, because although although not being the oldest, he's the best commander, it seems. Uh, okay. So now he's in charge of this quite large army of angry Jewish traditionalists who want the Greek salads thrown the fuck out of Judea. Aha, it's the red sticks before the red sticks were cool. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, kind of boring, but you, you, you get the gist of what I'm saying, right? Yep, I gotcha. It's a setup for something amazing, I'm sure. Mm, almost like a holiday that's gonna last 2,000 years. Alright, so here's the deal. We gotta get moving yep. uh, into Charles Dickens' adult life, alright? Yep. Because it's amazing. It is amazing how boring this guy is. <laughs> it okay. is amazing. Yep. Okay, but remember, I cranked up the speed. Ah, yes. So, light yeah. speed, gentlemen. In the interest of not wasting your time with lots of bullshit, I'm going to give you the Cliff's Notes version mm -hmm. of Charles Dickens' adult life. Go because, like I said, it is so miserable and boring. So here we go! Buckle your seatbelt and hang on to Tiny Tim. It's about to get very, very fast here. Okay. I'm <laughs> you don't sound like you're buckled in. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking about camping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. Let's it's because it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. All right. So in 1842, Dickens went to America with his wife. Mm. Why? He just kind of wanted to go. And while he was there, he commented on how bad slavery was. Huh. Walked around in Illinois, uh. said "fuck the Midwest," nice. and went to New York City, uh, where he went around lecturing people and talking about intellectual property and complained about the piracy of his work mm. because it was people were pirating it basically. Okay. Um, he got a petition going to make the Americans... Uh, he got a petition going, I should say, to make the Americans stop doing it, but the press didn't like it, so hmm. nothing came of it. End of story. Okay, fair enough. Impotence already. Here yeah, we this go. is so boring. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> well, in America, Disney realized that he was basically becoming the Walt Disney of literature, ah. which is to say he was being seen as someone that everyone read, hmm. which to him, being an elitist, was a bad thing. Hmm. Uh, you see, he wanted to be taken seriously... So oh he started God. changing his tune in his work and starts essentially altering his books to match his desire to be an influential commentator and not just some novelist. Mm. All right, so this is a move to make him, to like ensconce himself in the history of literature as being like, oh my, it's Charles Dickens and not just like, ha, it's Charles Dickens. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. All right, so he wants, he wants, he's going after fame and respect, not so much fortune anymore. So he went back to England and started working on A Christmas Carol. Hmm. Which is the only reason I picked him, because we covered a Christmas-themed yeah, yeah. episode, apparently. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he, he started working on A Christmas Carol, finished it, and then wrote two more Christmas-themed books that nobody cares about. Mm. Uh, because of the success of A Christmas Carol. Right. Um, the effect of this was that people started making more of Christmas ever before, than ever before. Mm. Um, they, like, it, like, adopted a new spirit of love for the ancient tradition. Yeah. Um, and really popularized a lot of, you know, Christmassy themes and things like that. It became, like, a cultural phenomenon because of this book. It was before it was like, oh, it's Christmas, you know, we're going to go to Mass, and then we're going to go home and eat our boots and uh, try not to starve. And then it was like, I'll give you an orange for Christmas, buddy! And it was, like, beautiful. <laughs> wow. Shit like that. Man, that brought a tear uh, to my eye. You know, <laughs> he also wrote the book to shit on misers and wealthy people like John Elwes, mm. um, 
especially those who took advantage of the poor, especially the young and poor. Well, that just sounds like he's bringing up his upbringing. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. He has, he's got a little problem with uh, boot blacking factories. So, I do too. Mainly that they're not yeah. around anymore. What the hell is yeah, this country mainly coming that. to? <laughs> yeah. After this, he wrote his book, David Copperfield, which I mentioned earlier. Right. And like I said, was largely based on his experience as a luckless child worker. And, you know, literary critics like to say that this book did so much and it did yada, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Uh, But you know what? I don't care. Um, (laughs) Uh Because it's boring. It is boring. (laughs) Uh, History is boring. (laughs) This is why it gets a bad rap. Yeah. Because the the boring people are... The important ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, like, okay, God, I hate this. Anyway, he started a college for women in 1846. Oh, that's cool. From which about 100 women graduated and everything. Oh, okay. Dickens was known for his distaste of organized religion, even though he was a Christian, nominally. Mm. Um, He was a Unitarian. Oh. He didn't like the Catholic Church and wasn't a big fan of evangelicalism. Makes sense. He thought that every form of religious Christianity got it wrong and were mere deviations from the true spirit of Christianity, which, you know, the Protestant Reformation! Right. And all of the divisions that happened afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's not really that unique. So, boring again! Mm. <laughs> I'm just going to start, like, See, giving him boring here, Here's the thing with Charles Dickens, is he it keeps setting up to be a good story, and then he just farts in your face, and it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> I know! Like, that is the theme. I keep that on getting absolutely... excited, and then it, you just move on to the next point. I'm like, wait, don't. Where was the? That's where's the punchline? <laughs> it's like he's. It's like he's just laughing all the way to the grave. Like, yeah. <laughs> you thought I was going to be interesting. <laughs> well, I'm going to be dead soon, fuckers. <laughs> and every time you think something's going to be exciting, he makes everything boring. We'll get there. Okay, okay? Right. we'll get there. Yeah, it is amazing. This guy. Okay, so he loved the French. <laughs> okay. So much as he, so much that he described them as quote the first people in the universe. Awesome. I've no idea what that means, but there you go. Um, <laughs> he was also making so much money on his books at this point that he got to buy a big house that he always liked. Oh, that's good. And super but boring. boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he spent a bunch of money putting on a play. Uh, all right. That he wrote and fell in love with one of the actresses. Uh huh. She was 18 and he was 45. Oh, dear. Uh, he eventually kicked his wife out. Oh, gosh. Um, but he didn't divorce her because that would be bad for publicity. Wow. Yeah. I've done the same then thing. Then he went on tour for his books mm. and made a bunch of money that way, appearing in about 130 different venues. Uh, at these things, he would, like, read his books to people, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting, I guess. No. Boring. Um, it's boring. He then published A Tale of Two Cities and Great Expectations, which were his two other greatest books. Did apparently. you like A Tale of Two Cities? I never read it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. I've tried to read it. I just can't. I can't consume Dickens, man. It, it just... It doesn't work. What? You homophobe? Can't consume nope. Dickens? God damn it. <laughs> Mark. Well, hey. Uh, Mark it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> on that point, on that point, actually, he was made fun of for having the name Dickens. Oh, well, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure that was that was known. <laughs> I mean, okay, we're, we're human beings, all right? Yeah. <laughs> if there's a guy named Dickens, we're going to make immature genital jokes. Yeah. Heck, just, we'll do it even if your name isn't. <laughs> it's true. Oh. So, in 1860, he went home and started a bonfire in his backyard so he could burn all his love letters to this actress he was with. Oh. Uh, he made her burn hers, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and because 
And because of this, we have very few clues on how the relationship ended up playing out. So that's Charles Dickens saying, Haha, you thought my affair would be interesting? Sorry! <laughs> <laughs> burning all this shit so you can't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and then he finally did something, okay? okay? He finally did. He joined something, I shit you not, called the Ghost Club. Oh, okay. Yeah, and at last, we have something interesting to talk about, okay? Yep. All right. Uh, so this was a club that was started in 1855 at Cambridge. Nice. Uh, a bunch of fellows there really started, wanted to figure out what the hell ghosts were, and they were having conversations I lost with Sherry and next to the fire about whether or not ghosts really existed, and they talked about how, like, a door opened one night, and, they, you know, Charles Dickens was very scared by this, and he believed in ghosts or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and the great thing is this group is actually around today. Huh. And their website is top-notch in the latest tech from 2003. Ooh. Um... And on this website is a brief history of the initial investigations because mm-hmm. they weren't just supposed to sit around and talk about it. They were actually they were supposed to go and you know find yeah. the ghosts. But what's this? Okay. <laughs> Even something called the Ghost Club can't make Charles Dickens interesting. Come on, that—that's right. <laughs> Dickens just went to this Ghost Club, talked about ghosts, and then did nothing. Come on, man. <laughs> And of course, as soon as Dickens died, it became interesting. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. These these dudes in the 1800s, 1800s, they did the actual ghost investigations, like a prehistoric ghost adventures with buff bros and shitty DV cameras and everything. Oh, yeah. But of course, Dickens had nothing to do with the cool stuff because he's the lamest man to ever exist. Oh, yeah, yeah. It literally couldn't get interesting until he was dead. Well, well I'm sure he just bored the living skulls out of the other guys in the ghost club. <laughs> And then they're like, well, I don't, I'm not even interested in ghosts. I don't even know why I go. And then as soon as he leaves, they're like, man, you know, spiritual entities are actually really interesting. <laughs> Charles Dickens was such a doofus. Why Why was he even in this club at, in the, for the first point? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, next thing. Mm-hmm. So then he has the opportunity to go to Australia. All right. Go nice. on tour there. And, you know, back then it was, it was you know, not... It was an interesting place well, to go. It was, it was a full of adventure frontier. and criminals. Yeah. yeah. still is. But, but because he's boring, uh-huh. he decided not to go. <laughs> I'm not even surprised anymore. <laughs> okay, here's another interesting okay. thing. Here we go. Yep. Get ready. All right, in 1865, Dickens was in Paris. Mm-hmm. And on his way home, he was involved in a railway crash. Oh, shit. And it was a massive disaster called the Staplehurst Rail Crash. Oh, wow, it's got where a, name. a train, uh, the train flew off a fucking bridge. Oh my god! But of course, <laughs> Dickens's car didn't go off the bridge yeah. because the universe detected his lameness so well that it said, "Nah." Oh come on! <laughs> so he he survives and goes around comforting the wounded and dying with his handy bottle of brandy. Oh. And might have saved some lives. Right. Um, and then he refused... But here's the thing. He refused to appear at the inquest mm. because he was on the train with his young lover and it might have damaged his public <laughs> image. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, hey, we need to figure out why this train bl- flew off the rails. What did you see? He's like, I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> I'm too busy boning oh. this girl. <laughs> I really hope that, he, I, I wish that he had died from the train crash. Then at, <laughs> least, at least in death he would have been more interesting than in life. 
I know. Oh. So, okay, then he decides he wants to go to the United States again. All right, right? yeah. But the United States, deciding that they didn't want anyone as boring as Dickens to come back, just start a civil war to keep him from coming. (laughs) So he doesn't go. (laughs) Because it would be interesting to go to wartime United States and write something, but no, I'm too boring. And especially since he was writing about the slavery issues earlier in the United States, he could have something to talk about, but no. No, no. no. The civil war is going on. I'm just going to stay home in my little, my little apartment or my little home that I bought. Oh, you know, Jesus. No. Um, but, of course, the U.S. can't keep the war going forever. Mm. So as soon as it's over, Dickens jumps on a boring old boat and goes to America, um, where he has dinner with lots of people and reads his fucking stupid books on stage for money. <laughs> That's all he does. He just has dinner with lots of people. <laughs> this is so boring. <laughs> Okay. okay, and then it gets it gets worse. Okay, all right. Then he goes back to England early uh-huh. to avoid paying taxes on the money he earned on his lectures. Okay, okay, all right. So, so he writes a book, the the Christmas Christmas Carol, which it, like the whole point of it is to make fun of miserly ways, and now he's yes. of he he being one of the richest men presumably yes. at this time or who knows I, I make, I'm pulling that out of my ass but very rich yeah very rich he, he moves to England to avoid paying taxes yep this guy I'm not even mad at him I'm kind of starting to like him actually just cause he's so underwhelming and predictable yeah well thank god we're actually already at the end of his adult life that's it yeah then he has a, he has a stroke in 1869. Thank God, yeah. and starts to slow down even more. <laughs> he keeps doing tours for his stupid books, and finally we can stop with his adult mm. life. My God, Charles Dickens. <sighs> While reading about him, I was so bored. Oh my God, it was like, <gasps> why even have a page about him on Wikipedia? I know. Like, just say. He wrote these books and said some things, and that's it. <laughs> Instead, it was like Ugh. they documented, and people, you know, really worked their asses off to make his Wikipedia article as long as it was. Yeah. Because he didn't do anything. Well, you know what? We he should change wrote. his his article too. Instead of his picture, should just be a picture of a rock. And then instead of any text of his actual life, it should just be another link that said, "Did you mean a Christmas Carol?" And it should take you to that. Because we don't need any... This is so boring. There's nothing to it. No! So, okay. Uh, I'm I'm good. It's time to go back to Judas Maccabeus. Alright, alright. Let's take us into his adult life, James. Okay. I pray it's more interesting. It is interesting. It's all filled with war and religion and classes and whatnot, but I've made it boring because... Okay. Also, my house is haunted. I've got, like, 20 to 30 minutes left. Do you you hear the voices? You've got somebody home? Yeah. Oh no. It's okay. It's just the cops. <laughs> Sounds like they're having a merry tea party up there. Alright, well, uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll just go Can you continue? I can continue. Just okay. like Charles Dickens. Yep. When we last left Judah, or Judas, or whatever his name was, he was gathering a large army of angry Jewish warriors in the desert, which is just what you do. Uh, Early on in the rebellion, (laughs) Judah started to be called Judah Maccabee, or Judas Maccabeus. 
And to make matters short, we really don't know where the Maccabee came from or what it means. Uh, some of the options, it could come from some verses from the Torah, it could derive from the Aramaic word for hammer or sledgehammer, which probably symbolizes his ferocity in battle, or it just might mean that this is what he fought with, a hammer. So they called him Judah the Hammer, which I'm gonna go with because who doesn't want to kill Greek soldiers with a sledgehammer, right? Fair, fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, for the first I two- they call that construction. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, a good job is what I've heard. Uh, so for the first two years, <laughs> Judah and his men avoided any actual combat with the Salad armies because he knew he was outmatched. So instead, they resorted to guerrilla tactics and harassed the enemy from afar, yada yada yada. Classic. But eventually, they decided to give battle the old college try. And so the first battle occurred in 167 BC and is known as the Battle of Maale Lavona, or something like that. Good enough. Yep, and we don't we, we know pretty much nothing about this battle. Uh, but the Jewish forces ambushed the Salad army and slaughtered many of the Greek soldiers, and it was the first Jewish victory and the first battle of the revolt. Anyway, after this victory, more and more new recruits joined up with Judah's cause. The Salads didn't like this, so they sent another army into the hills to weed out the rebels, and it was ambushed and crushed by Judah at the Battle of Beth Horon in 167 BC. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the point of this is that the Jews are winning, right? Okay, right. Yeah, and this is after hundreds and hundreds of years of being ruled over and oppressed. So, it's important. So, the Salads sent another army against Judah, and there was a third battle. And we don't know the details about this battle either, except that before the battle, Judah may... He may have said something along the lines of, For it is better for us to die in battle than to see the evils of our nation and of the holy places. Nevertheless, as it shall be the will of God in heaven, so be it done. That's what I say every morning. That's true. <laughs> mm. I right go before and stand on my balcony and just like say it to the whole world. <laughs> my neighbors say, "Shut the fuck up!" You don't have a balcony. Sad dog starts crying. Right. <laughs> Sad dog was on another level last night. What are you talking about? I haven't told you about Sad Dog. No. I live above this dog. Yeah. That about five, six, seven at night mm -hmm. just starts weeping <laughs> every night. Because they're waiting for their owners to come home and they're hungry. And they're probably thinking, they may not come back tonight. Oh, jeez. That's really sad. What if they don't? So I hear this dog, like, just, ow, every night. Really bad. Sad. I call it sad dog. That's probably what Laika sounded like when she was burning up in space. Oh, Jesus Christ, James. Just because the guy is boring doesn't mean you have to be horrible. <laughs> that was horrible. I, I, I apologize to all the dog <laughs> listeners. Dog. Oh, yeah. oh. God, <laughs> there's no coming back from that. No, so you better just keep going. Okay. I'm, I'm, right. Again, I'm running short on time here. Okay. Anyway, at this point, the Salad Empire begins to wake up and realizes that they might actually have to put some real effort into stopping Judah. This was not just a little insurrection. It was a, a full-out war. Meanwhile, Judah and his army defeated another Salad contingent at the Battle of Beth Zur. Apparently, there was an angel recording this battle, but got so invested in the actual battle that he threw down his pen and paper and went rushing into battle. I just imagine an angel with a camcorder, like, leaning in. Yeah, that's exactly it. And in the source I read, that's all it said on the battle was like, this battle happened between the Seleucid Empire and the Jews, and then there was an angel watching from the nearby hill. 
and <laughs> he stopped recording because he wanted to fight the Greeks. Uh, wow. Which I think is the prerequisite of becoming an angel, is you have to fight the Greeks. the Greeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so let's get to the real meat and potatoes. So Judah actually drives out the salad forces from the holy city of Jerusalem. The Jews then purified the defiled temple of Jerusalem and began worshipping their god once again. And something called the Scroll of Antiochus captures why this event is so important to the Jewish people. Okay, so this is is the reason for Hanukkah, and that's why I picked this, because, well, Hanukkah is over, but it's important to know about it. All right, so this is what the scroll of Antiochus says. After this, the sons of Israel went up to the temple and rebuilt its gates and purified the temple from the dead bodies and from the defilement. Also, why were there dead bodies in the temple? Anyway, well, never mind. (laughs) And they fight in the temple. I guess so. (laughs) God. Uh, Back to the scroll. And they sought after pure olive oil to light the lamps therewith, but could not find any. Except one bowl that was sealed with the signet ring of the high priest from the days of Samuel the prophet, and they knew it was pure. There was in it enough oil to light the lamps therewith for one day. That's important. Only one day. But the God of heaven, whose name dwells there, put therein his blessing, and they were able to light it from it eight days. Oh. Uh, So, if you didn't get that... They only had enough oil for one day to light all the lamps in the temple, but the the lo- the loyal the loyal oil uh, miraculously <laughs> lasted eight days. Wow! Yeah, that's interesting. So that is why Hanukkah is an eight-day festival. Whoa! Okay, we'll get to Just that in a second. Um. Anyway, there's a lot more here. Blah 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 blah. Um. Anyway, there's a lot of celebrating at this point now that the temple is retaken and cleansed, and. Right. Yeah. So the Jewish historian Josephus, I'll read a bit of his stuff, and I put in a giant ass ton of quotes here, but I'm just going to be picky. Um, Now Judah celebrated the festival of the restoration of the sacrifices of the temple for eight days, and omitted no sort of pleasures thereon. But he feasted them upon very rich and splendid sacrifices, and he honored God, and delighted them by hymns and psalms. Nay, they were so very glad at the revival of their customs, when, after a long time of intermission, they unexpectedly had regained the freedom of their worship, that they made it a law for their posterity, and that they should keep a festival, on all account of the restoration of their temple worship, for eight days. And from that time to this, we celebrate this festival and call it Lights. I suppose the reason was because this liberty beyond our hopes appeared to us, and that thence was the name given to that festival. Judas also rebuilt the walls around the city and reared towers of great height against the incursions of enemies and set guards therein. He also fortified the city Bethsura, and it might serve as a citadel against any distresses that might come from our enemies. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this <laughs> Thanks is for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> so Hanukkah today, it, it's important to both religious and non-religious Jews. Uh, it, it symbolizes basically the first time that the Jews had independence once again uh, after being oppressed by the Salad Greeks. Uh, and then there's the tradition that the the lamps burned for eight days because because God blessed the the lamps. Obviously, not all Jews are that religious uh, anymore. It depends where you go. Um, but still, whether or not this is a religious holiday or not, it's very important to the Jewish people because it symbolizes basically uh, the Jewish culture, Jewish sovereignty, blah, blah, blah. Does that make sense? Freedom from oppression. Yeah, freedom yeah. from oppression. Uh, owning right. the city of Jerusalem. 
uh, yeah, the celebration of their culture. Yeah, and it, yeah. so today this this tradition is still celebrated, the cleansing of the temple. It's known as Hanukkah or the Festival of the Lights because they light candles in remembrance of Judah and the Maccabee rebels lighting the lights in the temple. It's actually a pretty cool festival. Um, I've I've actually celebrated Hanukkah with a couple of my Jewish friends. It's it's pretty neat. They have great food. It's fun. So if you nice. get the opportunity never... to do it, definitely do it. <laughs> Yeah, the Jewish people know how to cook, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so speaking of that, now that Jerusalem was freed, the Jewish rebels now actually had their own free state, which they called Judea, of course, because why would you change it? Then Judah yeah, led his we- armies and did a whole bunch of things like defeat the Edomites down south, burn down a bunch of pagan altars on the coast, defeat some more Greek armies, and safely bring more Jewish people back to free Judea. Almost there. Then, the salad governor of the region, Lysias, which, um, we'll just go with that. He gets together a big-ass army and crushes the Jewish forces at the Battle of Beth Zechariah. Then, yeah, so it's bad for the Jews. Party's over. Mm -hmm. Then he actually lays siege to Jerusalem, and things started to look not so good for the Jewish rebels. But thankfully for them, uh, Lysias was forced to abandon the siege and go back home to Syria because somebody else was rebelling against him there. Thus, the Jews and the Salads agreed to a peace treaty in 163 BC, which allowed the Jewish people to practice their own customs and religion finally. And the Temple of Jerusalem was officially handed over to the Jewish people. Now, you know what happens next, Aaron. Now that the external enemy is gone, it's time for internal dissension. Oh, every time. Uh So because Uh there are still Jews that favor the Greek way of life uh, and they want change. That's how the whole thing started, man. Yeah, pretty much. Um, So these these Greek-favoring Jews, they disagree with Judah's new government because they practice the old ways. So they go uh, off and they they ask the Salads for help, um, which is odd because they just fought the Salads, but now they want help from the Salads. So the Salads agree, and they send down another big ol' army, and it's defeated by the Jewish forces. So, that's pretty much it. Then Judah allies with the Romans, because what could go wrong with that? (laughs) (laughs) And that's pretty much it, because I skipped a whole bunch, because it's super, it's, well, it's not boring, but I made it boring. Yeah, well, great job. And you have to go. See, Charles, Charles Dickens, it's like Charles Dickens wrote the episode. I think he did. From the grave, ghosts are real. <laughs> Join the ghost club. Yeah. Well, I actually was interested in the content you had, though. Well, that's good. It is interesting. Yeah. I just blew yeah. through it, though, because I'm an ass. <laughs> <laughs> White Cliffs of Dover. Anyway, oh, Charles Dickens, end and death. Mm-hmm. Have I explained to you how boring Charles Dickens is? No, please yeah, do. Because he is. Mm. He is so boring. He is so boring, he literally died by boring himself to death. <laughs> really? No, that's not true. Oh. <laughs> but he did bo- die in a very boring way. Uh-huh. Uh, he had another stroke and just died. Oh, jeez. Um, and get this, he wanted to be buried in a boring cemetery. Oh. <laughs> with of course. Like a, a cheap little headstone outside of a tiny little church. But the universe finally said, fuck no. The bill has buried- come. <laughs> The bill has come, and he was buried in a very interesting place known as Westminster Abbey. Mm. 
Take that, Charles Dickens. He was dead at 58. Wow. Yeah. That's so boring. Yeah. But interesting. <laughs> Not, I'm lying. I kind of liked how boring he was. It was endearing after no, he'll, a while. He'll, he'll come back as a, as a running joke. Whenever, <laughs> whenever one of us is boring, we can just call that person a Charles Dickens. Or we could say something like, well, that was boring, but it was no Charles Dickens. There we go. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Uh, All right. Okay. So why don't you tell us about uh, Judas Maccabeus? Judah Maccabeus is okay. And in death. So the salads they sent down yet another <laughs> army to deal with the Jews, and this army was rather gigantic, like twenty thousand dudes. Uh, it was so big that almost all of Judah's soldiers fled before the actual battle, leaving Judah with only about eight hundred guys. So that's not many. Eight hundred versus twenty thousand. Nevertheless, he met... I don't like those odds. No, he didn't either. No, because he dies. And... (laughs) (laughs) So he leads his 800 guys against the 20,000 Greeks, and they get crushed. (laughs) And and Judah fights until he's killed. Um, And actually, there's a lot of arguing about this battle. The The forces might have been a lot more equally matched. But the point is, the Greeks crush the Jews, and Judah Maccabeus is killed. However, his body was recovered and buried according to Jewish custom. And two of his brothers continued the rebellion after his death against the Salads, which was eventually successful, beginning the independent Jewish Hasmonean dynasty, which would last until the Romans show up about 120 years later or so and take over. And then you get the whole Jesus thing and all that fun stuff. Anyway... Judah, wow. Judah or Judas Maccabeus or whatever his name is, he's still a Jewish hero today and seen as an icon for Jewish independence and strength. And of course, his conquering and rededication of the Temple of Jerusalem began the tradition of Hanukkah. So pretty cool. Well, I learned a lot. I didn't laugh much, but I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know much about the Hanukkah or the celebration of lights or whatever it's called, yeah. but now you know. I didn't know anything about it, but now I do. Yeah. And I will forget. It's it all about soon. salad. <laughs> Just remember the salad empire. <laughs> Got to toss it away. <sighs> well, I don't really want to stay down in the history lab anymore. There's like this air of boringness around it mm, now. Yep. Um, I think we should probably cleanse it <laughs> <laughs> with fire. Yeah, with holy fire. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just get out of uh, here. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the surface and. Uh, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We've both become Charles Dickens. The ghost of Charles Dickens haunts this podcast now. Mm. We can never undo the damage. No, this was so bad. All right, all right. James, what are you going to do for the rest of the day? Um, uh, I'm going to get a Christmas carol. I'm going to throw it in a blender um, with some orange juice, blend it up, put it in a syringe, and then inject it ugh. into my biceps. <laughs> so I could become the ghost of Christmas pumped. <laughs> <laughs> Or pulped, since there's orange juice. I don't know. What are you going to do for this? Fuck off! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Wow. Just oh, Jesus. All right. I know. I, I know. 
I, I'm happy to say I think it's time to bring the show to an Please. end. Please. <laughs> Feel free to send all your hate tweets to We Talk About Dead People Podcast, WTADP Podcast. Uh, that's our handle on Twitter. Um, and you can definitely send us hate tweets about this one. Oh my God, it was so bad. Uh, we will read all of them and not along and probably do like penance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you hate us, you're definitely right this time. If you like us, though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com slash We Talk About Dead People. Uh, I'm just gonna say, probably not for this episode. <laughs> um, Fifty bucks, twenty bucks, even as little as a dollar, as much as it costs to buy a flammable costume, helps tremendously. Our cover art was created by the extremely gifted Ian Patterson of Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view all more of his phenomenal work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. With all that being said, we'll close out and let the sounds of of uh boringness <laughs> yes boredom i'm gonna try to come up with a sound for boredom all right <laughs> all right we're sorry <laughs> <laughs>
But who wrote the script? Someone must have. (gasps) But who? Oh, no. Lord Lord History? History. (laughs) Thank you very much for delivering those scripts. It is done, sire. I delivered your scripts, as you said. You have done well. Excellent. Now about my payment. I don't pay anybody. That's okay. Your love and affection is enough. I'm kidding. I want my check. All right, here. Thank you. Now I can buy a candy cane. The sabotage worked! Their episode was terrible! Score one for the Republic! Excellent! (laughs) I'm a different henchman now! (laughs) The other guy left the room, so I decided to come in and congratulate you on your master evil plan. Do I have to pay you too? Oh, yes, of course, that's why I'm here! I'm the paid henchman. That's literally my job title. All right, here. This is a shoe. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Did you know you can technically write a check on anything? Like what? What is your girlfriend saying back there? That's my sister. So, you're still right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Done. I'm calling it for fuck's sake.